This presentation is from UX Australia 2016, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. One of the uh, journeys that we go on uh, as designers, we, we tend to work in a whole bunch of different contexts and different organisations. Our next speaker has the, uh, the, the career experience of having worked in very large consulting companies, the likes of Accenture and PwC, as well as having worked in smaller design agencies. And he's going to talk about that difference um, and answer this question, or at least offer some insight into this question for us. Please join me in welcoming Tal Bloom. I'm very excited to be here. Um, this is something that's really close to my heart, and I'm humbled by so many people wanting to hear something about it. Um, hopefully, you can get something useful. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to explore the relationship between designing and consulting. Um, there seem to be two different kinds of disciplines, but really there is some sort of synergy that we could, we could see here. Um, but this exploration this afternoon is going to be based on one big idea. You could call it an assumption, but I'm pretty sure it's true, so I'm going to call it an idea that we are here not to create great designs, but to make things better for people. And I swear I was planning to say that before Denise's uh, talk this morning. Um, because I believe it's true, and I think she does too, and I'm pretty sure each one of you kind of realizes that that's what we're doing every day. Um, so I want you to think back for a second. Um, over your time as a professional person, um, the projects that you've worked on. Starting to bring back some memories out of the uh, archives there. Did you ever experience uh, a situation where a client said that they would do something that you were dependent on to move forward with your project, and then they kind of just... You find yourself in a position saying, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to move forward. They haven't given me what I need. Um, if such a situation has popped into your mind, I'm going to ask you to please humor me and stand up. Oh, it was like a one-second delay, and for a second I was like, no way. <laughs> okay, stay standing. Um, have you ever experienced a situation where an expert in the uh, client organization says, look, I, uh, I know, you know that's what you're saying the users want, but this is how it's done. Um, this is the correct way things need to be done. If you experience such a thing, please stand up. <laughs> okay? Um, <clears throat> what about the old stakeholder who's very focused on their area of accountability and responsibility, and uh, they get so focused in on it that it's really hard for anyone to move forward in what you're here to do? Stand up. <laughs> Wow. Has anyone ever experienced the agony, like I have a few times, where you're on a project and the wind gets completely taken out from your sails, uh, you've got some momentum, but suddenly the business announces a new priority, or in one case I was working for a government and they changed the legislation and the whole thing got marginalized. Um, if you've ever experienced such a thing, stand up. <clears throat> Honestly, I think almost everyone's standing up now. So. I'm, I'm postulating that maybe you felt a little bit of frustration along the way somewhere throughout the experience. If you did go, hey! hey. <laughs> All right, thank you. Shake it out, power post. <laughs> you can learn from everyone everywhere. So, as designers, we can do research, we can come up with some amazing insights to what people need. 
We can come up with ways to meet those needs. Um, we can be very excited about it. Um, that's because the dictionary defines design as someone who plans ahead before something gets built. Um, but effectively, what we're doing is we're imagining stuff. We're taking these ideas, and we're starting to get a picture of what it could look like before it goes ahead and gets built. On the other hand, a consultant is someone who provides expert advice professionally. Um, presumably, they're providing advice to, to the business on how the business can run better, can do things more efficiently or effectively. And, and also, they care about the customers. They want to make sure the customers get a better product. Um, so as designers, our natural response is to get a little bit frustrated when we hit these, um, these roadblocks. Um, because what we want to do is we want to see those designs come into reality. We want to see a better world for the people that we care about. Um, but you know, maybe we need to realize that it's useful also to know how to work with businesses in a consulting kind of way. We need to put on the hat of a consultant um, and think, how can I actually help the business um, to, to embrace these new designs? Um, so what I've tried to do today for you is to take some things that I've learned in business consulting and reframe them into an experienced designer's context. So you might actually be able to easily remember it and use it. That'd be pretty awesome. So what we have here are the designers and the consultants. Then in the middle, we have the client, who are comprised of all different types of people. And then we have the users and the customers. By the way, users, customers, interchangeable. I think we're all getting to that. Eventually, we're going to find a new word that covers them all. Um, so we're trying to tell the clients as designers, you need to think about the user's needs and the customer's needs in order to serve them better. The consultants are focused on the client, saying, we're going to help you do your business better. The two pieces of the same puzzle. You need to be able to have these all fitting together to really make changes in the world. Not just for the customer and the user, but also for the people who have to work in the business who want to see things better as well. They want to have um, more meaning in what they're doing and, and have more um, pride in, in being able to do a better service. So uh, the ideas that we're going to look at today is how can we serve our clients better? And we're going to try and use some um, techniques from, uh, from experienced design. For example, journeys. There's a, there's a customer journey or a user journey. Well, we also have a project journey. You kick off, you do a bunch of activities, and then you deliver something. And on that journey, there are moments of truth where it could be a roadblock. You could stop and not be able to get any further. Um, or you could actually go to a whole other level where you help the organization that you're, that you're serving do things much better. Um, and then there's also personas. You know, every single person in the client is a person. They're a human being who deserves as much empathy as the customers who sit down and painstakingly interview to understand what their motivations are. So um, I'd like to introduce you to Fred, the quiet project manager. Um, I didn't bother embellishing too much, but uh, effectively, he's the guy who is your main contact. And you say, we need all these different things in order to do what we've got to do. And he just doesn't pull through on something. He's, he remains a bit quiet. So this happened to me once um, with the Royal Australasian College of Physicians. Um, we were brought in to redesign their website. It was quite a messy old website. Um, so good news, we can make it look better pretty easily. Um, and the first part of redesigning websites is to a content order to figure out what content needs to be brought across, what's redundant, uh, redesign the information architecture, and then plug that in as a navigation into your designs. We all know this. So um, the client decided they wanted to save a bit of money and do the content order themselves. So I gave him a template, and I said, if you could fill that out, we want each line to be like a unit of content, something that someone would need to come to the website to know. 
It doesn't have to be a page. It doesn't have to be a business function. It has to be something that is a need. Um, I figured he'll kind of get it, and we'll clean it up afterwards. So we gave him a week. Thought of it, you know, it could be done in a week. And um, uh, week went by. Checked in with him. He said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm onto it." Uh, long story short, another week went by. He stopped answering my emails, and I was telling the uh, the, uh, the our uh, account manager, "Look, I think this is becoming a red flag. If he doesn't get it to me, <laughs> I brought forward as many activities as I can do." Um, we're going to have to stop the project if I, don't have, if I don't know what information needs to go on the website. You know, eventually, he sent me an email that says, apologies for the delay. Um, here's what you're looking for. And I opened it up, and it was effectively a list of the business functions, not so much content. <laughs> so I had this aha moment. There's something going on that I need to put on a different hat. At the time, I didn't realize what I was doing, but this is what I was doing. I was turning into a consultant, and I was saying, right, we need to get to the bottom of what's actually going on. It's not a design task anymore. We need to figure out how to, how to make this move forward. Otherwise, what can I design? So um, we sat down with him, and it turns out the college had a reasonably complex structure to it because they had absorbed five other colleges um, not so long before, like three or four years earlier. And there were some people who'd been there for many, many years who were dragging the heels. They didn't want to lose their identity as, a, as a, their former college. And so they, they just didn't want to participate in this whole thing of creating a new website that would do away with their branding and make it a unified front for the college. So now that we knew what the problem was, we negotiated to have sub-branding so each college could re retain, each former college could retain some of its identity um, while still being a part of a greater whole. So what did we learn here? That a client, uh, a client liaison has reasons behind their behavior. Um, and often if they are not giving you what you need, it's possibly because they've got challenges at their end. So what's the answer to give them a good experience? Help them solve their problems. And you can trust that that's going to help you give a better experience to their customers or users. Case study number two. I just realized my clock started early, so um, I have no idea how, how much time we got. Um, okay, so then we have the, uh, the business matter expert. Uh, you can make up your own name for her. <laughs> um, so I experienced this once on um, uh, the Minerals and Metal Group. Um, they're one of the largest mining companies in the world, uh, Australian company, and they've got uh, mines across six continents, selling thousands of um, stuff, and we were coming in to redesign their intranet. Um, so you had all these people with different languages and everything, um, although they could all speak uh, English, all the people in the offices could speak English, but lots of different cultures and all sorts of things. We had to design internet that could give them the information they needed in order to do their job. Um, so right from the kickoff meeting, I could see that there were some people who had been doing mining for years, and they were really stuck in the mining language that they had learned, which had no meaning for me. Uh, it was all technical jargon. And um, I realized after the second or third meeting, this is going to be a roadblock. So um, I think we brainstormed, how do, how do we deal with this? And the, the aha moment was um, that rather than having to fight that battle where they insist that they use the correct terminology in the navigation system, which is not going to help anyone find content that's going to help them do their job, um, we will show them respect for their expertise by getting them to validate what we find from users. So from the um, card, open card sorting, closed card sorting, tree testing, uh, we got lots of findings. And at each stage, we presented it back to a panel of experts and said, what do you think? Uh, well, are we onto something here? And we found an amazing thing that um, we managed to communicate to them that the staff want plain English in the, to find things. But they managed to communicate to us things that the staff didn't really, didn't really understand. And they were able to refine it and take it to the next level so that it, it held together technically correctly. Um, and they were totally on board, and we managed to get to the end product. And one of the interesting things that also came out of bonus was that we agreed that this is also an opportunity to educate staff. 
We would use plain English for the navigation to get to the content they needed, but then the first thing they see on the page is an explanation of the technically correct term so that staff would slowly get used to the terms because I guess it's also important to have the same language on both sides of the fence. Um, so to push through that moment of truth, um, the, the need that these experts has is, is that they, they have a vested interest in their expertise that they've carefully curated over decades sometimes. So by showing them due respect for their invaluable expertise and engaging them as experts to augment what the users have told us they need, um, we were able to get them on board and pu push through that roadblock. Persona number three, the thorough stakeholder. <laughs> I know you guys are all familiar with these situations, so that's good because I saw you standing earlier. Um, so I, I, we were called in, our team was called into Australia Post. Australia Post, you know, as everyone knows, does post, and it's kind of going out of fashion. So they, they were keen to explore digital things that they could do with their trusted Australian brand to um, take the business further um, and, and broaden out what, what they're able to offer Australians. So we were brought in to do kind of like a design thinking project where we started off with customer research um, to find out some pain points in daily life that might be relevant to Australia Post, to do some ideation um, around solutions to those pain points. And, um, and then focus groups, we'll, we'd storyboard the potential solutions and do some focus groups from, from customers to, to see if there's any interest in Australia Post helping out with that. Take the most popular ones, turn them into a prototype, because it's digital, and um, test that with users and take the most promising one and refine it. And at the end of nine weeks, you get something really tangible from completely green um, grassroots to a really tangible thing that they could take seriously. Um, so we had a project plan and included a couple of weeks of customer research at the beginning. And we had uh, a multiple of teams. Uh, we had the customer team, the UX team, the finance team, the product team, all coming together. We were kind of stuck in the middle as, a, as the designer consultancy slashies um, to try and, try and make this thing happen. And we found <laughs> right at the beginning, the, cust the head of customer was saying, we have to make sure we're thorough. You know, we've got a big customer segment. Everyone in Australia is our customer, and we have to make sure we cover them all in the research. And he was really making me feel woozy with this talk because we had nine weeks to get something tangible. Um, and uh, I, we, we didn't know what to do. But in the end, we realized the aha moment is that um, he's right. You know, apart from the timeline, he's right. You need to have a thorough understanding of your, your customers to really make sure we do this properly because it's Australia Post. You know, we're trying to figure out what they can do with themselves. You can't just leave out segments or do it flimsy. And also, we need to have this guy on board. He's the head of customer. <laughs> if he's not on board with what we come up with, saying, oh, the research wasn't good enough, he wouldn't support it. So we decided to really step up and engage him with everything we've got to do this customer research properly and, and, and uh, quickly as we can as well. And in, in the end, we interviewed 54 people um, over a period of three weeks or something. And then we had to um, collate the findings and everything. It took up almost half the project. Um, but the amazing thing is that we earned such a trust from this guy um, and, and got such a, a momentum of collaboration that he let go and he, he, he managed to become just another stakeholder in the whole um, process thereafter. He, in the ideation sessions, he was present and he was participating and he wasn't holding on to anything. He was just letting it happen because he felt satisfied that we were armed with the proper research. Um, and indeed, we, we stepped up and we managed to take the reins and, and do, the, do the home stretch of prototyping very quickly. We didn't even engage with stakeholders. We didn't have time. We, just, we, were, we were armed with so much customer research that we were very comfortable. We knew what the customers needed and we were going to design for it. And we delivered uh, a nice tangible thing that the, uh, the sponsor could put on his wall and point to people uh, to show off you know, what, what he had achieved with his money. So 
Um, what did we learn? Stakeholders are naturally more focused on their accountabilities than yours. Um, that's their accountability. So to get them on board, you need to show due concern for what they're trying to achieve, and then they'll, they'll help you achieve what you need to achieve. That's collaboration. Um, the final case study, um, Yarra Chams. We recently, they've got a great customer team um, doing lots of great work, but they recently asked us to come in and help them articulate their CX strategy because um, they were finding it hard to explain to people how all the different things that they're doing are working towards the common vision and goal um, with regards to customer experience. It's, one, it's, it's renowned for being one of the best customer experience tr public transports, but they need to be able to articulate it. So we came in, we created the strategy for them, we co-designed it, we involved, we had workshops with almost 50 people from across the organization. Um, and then we came to a culture change workshop where we had done some contextual inquiries of staff to see where there was a disconnect between the new strategy and, um, and what was actually happening out there in the world. And we came to this workshop to present those findings and brainstorm with all the stakeholders around the organization how to address them. And what we found is that one-third of the participants turned up. And while sitting there digesting it, we realized that only the customer team basically turned up. No one else did. And um, it's because the CEO announced that the, the highest priority that needs to be finished by the end of the week is, um, uh, is now on board. And, and that was the day before this workshop. So everyone just didn't feel that they had the time to put into culture change, which is a, a big component of it. So it's challenging to improve the customer experience while also meeting operational targets is what we learned. The CEO is really focused on doing what he needs to do because he's accountable. So we know that we have to garner buy-in by bringing them on the journey with us from the kickoff all the way through. And in the Yarra Trams example, we're, we're saying it has to go even deeper. We have to, they have to realize that customer experience will help them get their operational targets. And we're taking them on a safari to another public transport operator that's really done a successful job to help him appreciate that it'll be worth his while. Um, so to wrap up, um, what we've come to realize is that clients are humans as well. Uh, not just customers, not just users, but clients also. They have motivations, they have things that are driving them, they have stresses and, and um, mental models and all sorts of things. Um, so should we limit ourselves to being labeled as a designer or should we can possibly take on the hat of consultant? And I'd like to just uh, leave you with the idea that we don't need to limit ourselves to labels at all. Um, you, the individuals in this room, are empowered with the most powerful tool in anyone's toolkit. It's called empathy. You know how to do it with expertise. This is what you do. This is your bread and butter. And you can apply that to any human being that you interact with. You can empathize and understand, and then you can use that knowledge to help them have a good experience, to help them be successful, to help them feel good, empowered, etc. So um, I'd like to suggest that we step up and um, become the leaders that we are capable of being. And uh, I'd like to thank you and hope that uh, this will help you push through roadblocks. Maybe they shouldn't even exist. And happy travels. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.